0: All right, welcome back to episode five of the B-side podcast, music on the flip side. I'm here with Brian Keithley. How are you doing today, Brian? That's what I'm good, man. How are you doing? Uh, pretty, pretty well. am uh, just try, trying to make it, getting getting ready to start the new school year. So getting ready for that and ready to talk some music today. Yeah. Me too. All, All right, today today's album of choice, Bright Eyes is 2005. I'm wide awake, it's morning. So Chester, I'm, I'm a Leafs fan.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't think you're quite as into them, but I'm, I'm curious how you got in into this album, how you found out about it, and what, if you knew much about Broad Eyes when you when you got into it or not. So,
0: no, I did not. I just kept seeing the lifted album in the Lo Yo, Yo record shop that I referenced on a on a previous episode in Athens, right by the Forty Watts. So I kept seeing, "What's this lifted?" This Bright Eyes. Um, I'd seen Broad Eyes albums. I kept look, looking for, but I never bought one I was just curious and then all I could figure out was like oh this looks like some indie rock label or indie rock band but I have no idea on what they sound like so I I looked through that and that must have been what 2002 or 2003 you could tell me somewhere around when it was lifted
1: uh yeah I think 2003
0: 2002 yeah in that Somewhere in that range, I just remember keep seeing it. And for some reason, I I never bought it. So then I I think probably because I'd seen the name enough. And then I read that Jim James was going to sing backup vocals. And I was already in a My Morning Jack at the time. So when I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning came out in 2005, uh, we went to this mall in Washington, D.C. I was on a school trip with Salem High School. I was teaching at that time. So I walked into a music store and just saw the bright eyes and picked it up. And this, this dates me, makes me sound old. Everybody with their iPods, even back then in 2005, I just had like the portable CD player. So i popped the CD right into the portable CD player and listened on the bus ride all the way back to Atlanta. And just so that this album reminds me of that late January when it was released and I bought it, I guess that week. Um, but really the purchase stemmed from hearing that Jim James is singing backup vocals, what's, later became the first song. And I just wondered if it'd be like the reverb folky Americana vibe that my morning Jack was into on the first two albums since it had Jim James on it. So I was just curious and I'm, I'm glad I bought it. Um, what about you? Yeah. I bright eyes uh,
1: in college around the same time when I got into death cab and modest mouse and uh, other kind of like indie bands that had, gained some acclaim at that point so i had the album before this lifted which was kind of the one i guess where bright eyes made more of a commercial name for themselves you know videos on uh, your sort of top pick songs lover i don't have to love and stuff like that so um so i knew about him when this came out Uh, i wasn't a huge huge fan yet so uh, i guess to this point and what i knew about bright eyes and even even before lifted kind of known for their that folky Mm -hmm. you know you mentioned whether you thought it was going to be kind of that folky americana um definitely has roots in folk music um but very like emo folk you know like uh mostly connor oberst you know broad eyes was kind of known for him singing really sad songs over acoustic guitars you know uh lifted branched out of the that a little bit with some more um, mm-hmm. but that's kind of that's kind of what they were known for so by this album it, it, this one's really interesting because it, it, you can't completely focus on I'm wide awake it's morning without also thinking about it was released on the same day as another uh, companion album digital ash learn so the leap forward from lifted your stuff to these two albums seems like a giant leap. I think this one, wide awake, makes more of a. It makes more sense in terms of progression of their music. Digital Ash is very like electronic, which was. They had done some stuff on some B sides and a couple of tracks, on Lifted, but it seemed like more of a. And uh, I'm wide awake this morning. It definitely has that folk. Um, it feels kind of kind of a throwback. You know, you mentioned, popping the CD in your CD player when everybody else was listening to iPods, but, you know, uh, the sound between not just the folky style, but the kind of pedal steel guitars. Um, Emmylou Harris sings on three of the songs, you know, known for her stuff mostly in the seventies with country and Bob Dylan and Neil Young. Uh, She was on the last waltz, right? The band. Yeah. Uh, So, and then references and lyrics. We'll talk about that later, but it, it felt kind of like a throwback album a little bit the first time I heard it.
0: Yeah, knowing nothing of bright eyes and thinking about style, I had no idea what to expect. Um, so, this, what you talk about, like emo, is my first exposure because I was like, oh, it seems like I'm reading his journal and I shouldn't be. <laughs> right? <Yeah>. So, these <laughs> innermost thoughts and then just letting the listener have it at times. Um, but I was really drawn in by the yellow bird on the cover and then the ref- couple references, we'll- which we'll mention later, to the yellow bird. Um, But that, like you said, the Emily Lewis Harris and the Jim James on backing vocals, like gave it that folky Americana vibe for me, whether he was going for that or not. And I love the uh, actually contrast between the evening and night. He keeps doing a bunch of songs. I think what, six or seven songs he mentions morning on, on this album. How does it compare with Digital Ash? I haven't listened to it enough. Like, what would you say is the comparisons between the two? Yeah.
1: Sonically, they're very, very different. You know, I mean, like I said, Digital Ash, um, was more of a foray into electronic music. So a lot of the percussion are kind of, you know, computer sort of drum drum machine type beats. Um, a lot of synth layered over. I mean, there's still guitars and still instruments. Um, but layered with like synthetic sounds. It's interesting though because the the structure of a lot of the songs um, and lyrical content, although, you know, Conor Ober's lyrics are pretty consistently his style, which is a lot of, well, very densely uh, packed with lyrics, a lot of imagery and metaphor, this kind of storytelling, and we'll get into that. So that's mm-hmm. that happens too on Digital Ash. Um, and the song structures are similar, uh, you know, that are very traditional sort of verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind of thing. But also he has a lot of songs where he kind of just has that one chunk of, you know, the chord progression and melody, and it just kind of repeats and repeats and repeats. So he does that a few times on digital app. And some of the percussion actually kind of echoes, There are some songs on i'm wide awake it's morning where the drums remind me of uh, even though they're live you know recorded drums that real humans played uh it reminds me of some of the drums that happen on digital ash some like really syncopated stuff that's not just like straightforward you know on the beat one two three four type drumming so um that's kind of how i'd compare them but they they're, it's interesting to think of them as kind of mirror image or, or two sides to a, a one
0: creative coin, I guess. So you mentioned before, just previously, like where does I'm Wide Awake Gets Morning fit in to Bright Eyes, whole evolution of that style? Anything to add? Because you said, obviously, Digital Ash is a huge contrast versus this seems like a small step forward, pretty similar to Lifted and other albums?
1: That's that's a good question. I it's more, I think, in like what you would expect a natural progression of their music to be. I think it's more in line with this, the the stuff that came before it. Um, but the things after the r- records after it, Casadega and then The People's Key and heard of the the new the four tracks that they put on Spotify so far for the new one that's coming out in a couple of weeks. All of those albums kind of are blends of these two style of albums. They have, you know, the traditional acoustic guitar kind of bare bones, bright eyes songwriting, but they've added a lot of that sort of a deeper production, whether it's with like electronic or computer stuff or just like a bigger, just a bigger sound, whether it's like orchestra with strings or trumpets or, you know, and we get a little bit of that on this, on this album too, with with, uh, more instrumentation. Uh, so, Chesser, let's dive into this album specifically. What what stands out to you first? What's your favorite track on I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning?
0: I'm, I'm biased. I know in film they have a theory called the auteur theory based on directors. So when I saw Jim James was going to sing on it, I'm like, oh, this track's going to be awesome. <clears throat> like you mentioned before, I think the, the whole story intro kind of threw me off. right? And I was like, oh, what's this? This is so... So so weird and con Connor just setting the scene for in this whole obviously about the plane and about death and what does it where do we even fit in between that? So it kind of intrigued me. So first uh at the bottom of everything I'd say would was my favorite track just because my previous bias coming in. Um, but then when I when I heard it, the the haunting voices of Jim James and he's not strong, that's what I like about it. so he, you can hear Connor over Jim, but still he's in the background that's kind of haunting. But then also the the contrast between the lines and the, like, while my mother waters plants, my father loads his gun. So this encouraging life and then basically death. Um, So uh, I like the upbeat instrumental that Bright Eyes uses with the deep blue sea splash is what we think of some morbid scene. Not saying it's the happiest song, but I like the contrast. He, He picks up the instrument, seems a little more upbeat. Um, and the contrast between happy that he's no one, right? And so this whole thing of like emptiness and the memorize nine numbers and deny I have a soul and the whole world's waking up. And so just some uh, a a lot of strong lines uh, hit me off uh, the bottom of everything. But the other sparse one, if I had to choose a second one, probably the first day of my life, just because they're so sparse in the happy picked out structure, and just a few lines like "blind before I met you," so you see this whole like new life, seeing life differently. And I'm assuming on the album that's the beginning of side B. I was listening to Spotify and the CD recently. Yeah, that, it, um,
1: yeah. To follow up on on what you're talking about there with at the bottom of everything, um, it's it's interesting that he starts that track with that story. I know we talked about in our in our album opener episode, um, this is one I mentioned, and a lot of opening tracks for Bright Eyes, I'm not a big fan of because they're kind of these almost experimental, like there's sort of whispering or talking or, and then a lot of kind of ambient noise that's kind of layered and it it, it progresses into a song. And here he just, a lot of sort of uh, reviews of their music, you know, in characterizing Conor Oberst as a storyteller in his lyrics, I, it seems like he kind of went, okay, I'm just going to tell a story. Like, I'm going to get this at the very beginning. So it's this allegory, you know, um, and you mentioned, you know, an airplane that's going to plunging to its death and then that echoes lyrics in that first song. Um, it, but it kind of sets up this, this theme of, uh, of that limited time um, kind of an optimistic twist on some of the the themes and lyrics in the past of their work, but yeah, m- making the most or enjoying, even though you know it's going to come to an end, you know. Yeah, kind of, kind of, almost like a like a middle finger to the that inevitable, you know, conclusion, you know. And I yeah. and I like that. And I yeah, and I agree with all the other mm-hmm. stuff you said. The the contrast that the little guitar instrumental between the verses and, and some really in that song too, right. Things about individuality, you know, the, the, uh, memorize nine numbers and deny we have a soul, right. Singing, uh, static with the whole, right. Like we're expected, uh, you know, just to blend into the society and go along with the status quo. And I like that he, he immediately, and that, it, that kind of theme will carry on. will talk about that later but he establishes that front
0: definitely what's your favorite track off the album
1: by far i mean it's not even close it's one um poison oak which it was kind of a slow burn for me there, like you mentioned some some songs that are kind of immediately accessible which i think is mm-hmm. kind of was unusual for bright eyes i think they were a band that a lot of a lot of kids who liked sort of indie emo type music you know you had to they weren't as accessible you had to kind of let them wash over you several times before you really got used to them you know things maybe didn't stand out like fever and mirrors still i know that album pretty well and all of its songs kind of sound the like you know it's hard for me realistically and lyrically between different songs but here you got a couple that stand out right away and you mentioned those right uh poison oak was a little bit more of a slow burn it it starts out really slow um The progression of the song, uh, the thing I think that hooked me initially was the steel guitar in it. It's just beautiful when it kicks in after first kind of verse or whatever you want to say, because he doesn't really repeat, you know, a verse per se. But um, after that first section of the song, when the steel guitar comes in, it's so, it's really pretty, you know. That's what I said, uh, yeah,
0: so- it was- soothing, like before it was haunting and like this reckless behavior and like I wrote around 210, it's like this, I felt soothed. Um,
1: yeah, and there, there is, there's kind of an ebb and flow over the course of the whole song, right? And one thing um, that I think is characteristic, a little more of this album maybe than earlier albums is there are songs that have a little more space in them and a little more kind of breathing room. You know, he was, he's known really for very dense lyrics and vocals, um, and you see that in a couple songs like Train Underwater, mm-hmm. um, but here you have spaces where there's some there's enough room to catch your breath and to really kind of sing that song, right? And then it builds to the end where he's, he's almost, he almost gets to that kind of shouting, Uh, that higher energy more desperate kind of pitch where he's drunk as hell on a piano bench. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Uh, the sound of loneliness makes him happier. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many great lyrics in this song. Going back to that idea of kind of throwback, right. He mentions, and it's sort of nostalgic, but it's also places the song in time. Uh, The idea of a a phone as a tin can on a string. Uh, He talked, about you know in polar um so there's that there's that kind of throwback nostalgia and then there's some just really great metaphor on am a single cell on a serpent's tongue there's a muddy field where a garden was mm-hmm. and that's really that's really uh powerful and poetic so with all of that it's just i love that song and it and it does um like we said there's that kind of storminess as as the song builds to its conclusion, it kind of feels like, it feels like almost a storm has passed over. And then mm-hmm. at the end you have those, those hours, it's like the quiet after the storm again. So.
0: Uh, that's uh, great. Um, I, I love that song too. Like That soothing moment around the two minute mark and then around 2.40, I noticed like the, the breaks and the drums the lyrics and lyrics and you got that pedal steel we you're talking about. So the, just the contrast even with the instrumentation musically um true me to that song and like you noted for just the yellow bird returning so i'm like oh okay back to the cover art and album cover all right is there a song we talk about other times is there a song off the album that's sort of a microcosm for you or is it all kind of blend together similar themes here I think it's this album was harder to kind of pick
1: one song that represents the whole album compared to some of the ones we've talked about before. I agree. I, it wasn't I, It wasn't as obvious. Yeah, because there's little things in a lot of songs that made it not in every song or there's one song that contains all the elements of the album. Poison Oak has a lot of that because it does ebb and flow and build, does you know, lyrically the kind of storytelling and stuff. But I, w- I would say maybe... And I'll I'll talk about "We Are Nowhere" and "It's Now" in a minute, but I think "Old Soul Song" does a really good job of of representing this kind of the approach and uh, the execution of what they did on the album. Both, you know, the the sounds that kind of folky, almost country sound. um, By the end, you know, it builds from a really kind of somber song uh, to the when he's shouting they went wild you know almost like that uncontrollable whether it's passion or or frustration or what just whatever emotion that is you, it's hardly able to be contained um, mm-hmm. yeah and there's there's some really great um, some really great lyrics in that song too you held your camera like a bible wishing that it held some kind of truth a great, you know, that's a quintessential kind of bright eyes lyric to me. You have got thoughts on that song? Did you have another song that you thought might
0: kind of represent the album? I kind of agree with you. It's hard for me to pick. You talked about Poison Oak earlier, so I won't mention that again, but if I had to go between the three, I'd say We Are Nowhere's Now, Old Soul Song, and then Poison Oak really fit the album for me. All the sober tones and the contrast, what you talked about before. on the old soul song we got the pedal steel slide guitar intro but then you got the screaming in the building drums like halfway through along with some horns and then you come back to calmer ending so that calm right chaos almost and then come back to to calm in between um but the old soul song too once again just the morning references to alarm clock radio the broken glass um, when you, in the in the great Bible line you talked about before. Um, so I would, I would go also song We Are Nowhere's Now or Poison Oak. I think all of them are, are great. It just defen- depends on what you're going for. But yeah, it was harder for me to to pick one one of those. But I thought like the three of those songs encompassed the album. At least the somber tone he was going for. Yeah. I think
1: uh, in a kind of a bigger picture, it's a protest Right. He talks Mm -hmm. about the people in the streets going up against the police, Uh, you know, the glass. I don't know if it's, you know, explicitly a riot, but it implies, you know, some some of that kind of stuff, which certainly echoes things that have been happening, you know, socially here over the last several months. Um, But that's, I think, one thing that also goes through a lot of his lyric references to activism and and politics, although here he doesn't make like blatantly political statements. He's he's telling us more of a personal story that's really more about their relationship or, you know, as individuals within that bigger thing. But um, he, he does have a lot of a lot of his songs do make uh, references to politics and activism and, you know, kind of speaking up in, in that way. Cool. Um, so are there other are other songs, Chester, that, that resonate that are worth a discussion for
0: you? I, did, I mean, uh, you know, I guess we're going to kind of cover each <laughs> song almost, right, because I yeah, picked different about, ones. But I said Lua, Train Underwater, and Landlocked Blues. I guess we should go song by song, right? So the simplicity of Lua with the acoustic guitar and strumming and the contrast between normal and insane I felt his lyrics almost drifted into stream of consciousness and like this diary that I kind of mentioned before this open journal, uh, but I love the contrast between morning and evening, which fits the album title right I'm a wide awake it's, it's, it's morning, but even seems that's I felt like caustic with some of the cliches is using almost like mock people right take one and no one in this this bitter tone that he's taken or caustic tone he's taken towards someone else and how ridiculous are you right you can't even come up with your own metaphor you're like you're talking about all those great metaphors in here and i think maybe i'm wrong but this is my initiation in the bright eyes and i thought he was using just a i don't know if stick middle fingers right or stick his tongue out or kind of just thumb his nose right at someone else but that's what i found on lua
1: yeah, and I would say that song is maybe the most traditionally in kind of what Broad Eyes does or what his songwriting is, which is just. I think it's the only song on the whole album that's just him and a guitar. I don't mean even backing vocals or anything on this, on that song. So it's very sparse. Uh, the sound, at least, is very sparse. It's it, um, yes, there is a a vulnerability. In the lyrics, and then vocally, you know, it's so soft and sort of fragile, which is kind of a characteristic of his voice. It, it, it he got a little more control over his voice, I think, over the years. But, the yeah, with with lines like you know, skinny like a model, with your eyes all painted black, you know, these very, I mean, nice images, but they they hint at this sort of, and that's the one where he says take one, right, where he sees kind of the the weakness or maybe not weakness but the the uh struggles in someone else he he recognized them also in in himself i think
0: yeah
1: and it's a really it's a really great little song and one line that i love me i'm not a gamble you can count on me to split (laughs) like don't wonder whether it's going to happen like i will let you down (laughs) at some point i will not show up again you know like Yes. recognizing that you know
0: unreliability in, in himself yeah that struggle you mentioned uh, that's why i go with the next track i like train underwater less about uh, external struggle but the internal struggle within when within, within yourself or with within the speaker right and love is always cruel fall to death and i don't know when, when you get that ac- acoustic guitar and then the way all the other instruments I think it's maybe harmonica, like tambourine coming later. But there's a point where the instruments drop out in the song. And once again, I, I feel like partly creeped out, like haunting. He's just singing, right? And, and maybe that's his original style, but at the time, I remember like, oh, this is so different. And then the, the bridge picks back up with the instrumentation with 20 guitar so, solo and the notes of cliche of wipe the slate clean. But um, just the internal struggle that speakers – facing it. And it doesn't seem to come to this resolution. I don't think he's like wiping the slate clean. I don't think he truly believes that. Right. He's like, that's too easy.
1: Yeah. And he, he says, um, he says before that the world waits for an explosion mm-hmm. of light that wipes the slate clean. Right. So it's, it's kind of, I think he's commenting more about people's unrealistic expectation of that kind of new beginning and fresh start, which is, uh, you know, ties into the, the album title, you know, I'm wide awake. It's morning, meaning a new day or, you know, new life or, re- or metaphorically, but he kind of goes back and forth. There's some ambivalence about how possible that is um, and how, how realistic it is to expect that. But then if you get it, you know what you can actually do with that kind of new start or new chance um and this this song overall too I, I mentioned earlier how this was one where it's the lyrics are pretty dense and he repeats kind of that that one sort of structure i'm born inside of a raindrop i watched you falling to your death right yeah and, and the sun she could not save you she had fallen down too now the streets are wet like it's a it's a good example of his of his lyricism where it's it's beautifully it's beautifully worded and it has a very strong image but it's just really sad it is <laughs> you know it's yeah, like it's love kind of was always cruel like what? yeah yeah um another reference to the camera which comes up in a lot of his lyrics trying to you know make record i was a postcard i was a record i was a camera until i went blind and then he makes a direct reference to morning in the morning you'll wake feeling new which mm-hmm. is towards the end of the song so maybe there is some some kind of hope and renewal in that
0: Good. all right the last one i went with is landlocked blues i want to talk about like just the Fingerpick guitar, intro to the immediate vocals, which you said maybe be just quintessential bright, bright eyes talk about. So I don't want to take your point, but then, so I just had noticed that the pattern that we find on other tracks on the album, the lack of drums, the duet. So this, this style, these and it sounded like an upright bass um, that he was using. Um, but the, the hor- a horns lead the charge in the middle of the track, but contrasted with these bleak pictures right? Mixed with freedom. That's what I like free once you've died and a clean escape. And then this, I know it's just like fantasy versus reality. The kids playing guns in the street versus like shot me dead. So there's still this somber tone that's right in your face. what do you think? Yeah,
1: I agree with you on that. And that that line you just mentioned, um, and there's several places in this song that are good lines, but they kind of cycle through and and you're trying to like when i when I listen to these kind of songs and i'm trying to imagine the story of the song, but then he'll put in something like that that's just this gut punch, these moments of real um, i don't know if it's climax but these of of heightened tension in a song, and you you know yeah, like i said i'm I'm over explaining it, but it's just a gut punch, right um, and i you mentioned the emphasis on uh, just the vocals without as much instrumentation in the back. And I think this one, Emmylou Harris's backing vocals and her harmonies are really on display. And it adds, it's interesting because with him and Jim James and Emmylou Harris who is uh, an incredible singer. Yeah. um, But she doesn't, she has kind of a, a fragility but there's something in her voice where it feels like it could break at at any moment. And I think that compliments Connors too, even though he has a pretty deep voice, it always feels like it could go, you know, it, it's not, it's, it, you know, it's not a traditional sort of like, I mean, I don't know when when you think of really great singers, y- usually you think of how in control they have really these really powerful voices. And on this, on this album and with Jim James in the first track, right. We have a lot of voices that are, that are really and emotional and, and that, you know, brings out a lot of the kind of uh, personal uh, introspective quality of, of the songs.
0: All right, you mentioned favorite lines earlier. Um.
1: What are well, your
0: favorite, favorite lines?
1: So, um, you know, one song that if we, if we didn't talk about it and it does have some of my favorite songs too, but it's another one on um, We Are Nowhere really stands out for me. Another one that stood out much later after I became more familiar with the album, but it's got, it's got all those things we've talked about, the steel guitar, it's got the uh, Emmylou Lou Harris on the backing vocals that really folky mm-hmm. sound, um, and some really great lines, you know, the image of the yellow bird,
0: you're yeah. the
1: yellow bird that I've been waiting for.
0: Uh, is uh, That's a
1: poison oak, right? What does he
0: say about yeah, the po- Poison oak and then here? we are nowheres now, so I noted about like the, the yellow bird that he mentions in both. Um, oh, the ye- yellow bird I've that? waited for, yeah. Did you forget that yellow bird,
1: right? Um, the line, and this was one of the first lines on this album that impressed me in his, his songwriting. Like a 10-minute dream in the passenger seat while the world was flying by. I haven't been gone very long, but it feels like a lifetime. I mean, that really, and, you know, talking about some of the the idea of the album as a throwback too, it's kind of uh, outside of time in a way. There's There's a few lines in the album that kind of play with the idea of, the passage of time, what does time really mean uh, compared to experience or compared to what you're feeling or thinking in the moment. The, the ending of that song, I yeah. like Harris's backing vocals. Um, she took a small silver wreath and pinned it onto me. She said, this one will bring you love. And I don't know if it's true, but I keep it for good luck. And it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And the, the contrast between love and just kind of like luck, like hoping, you know, yeah. Um, so what are, some, what are some other lines
0: that stood out to you that we haven't touched on yet? Um, we mentioned a couple from the, the bottom of everything, so we'll go over those again. But like the many references to morning, like you're talking about, like the alarm clock radio, just woke up morning in my window. Whole world's waking up. So <clears throat> if you want to say this new start, new beginning, but I like the way he said the use, his usage of time. Um, obviously I noted the, the yellow bird lines and poison oak when we are nowheres now. Um, but I also love the, I keep drinking the ink from my pen, this line, or this greed bottomless pit. So like society and, and judging us and this personification of the ocean, the ocean speaks and spits. So it's like even almost nature's had enough. Um, and, and the contrast, which kind of mentioned earlier, this, this, the sound of loneliness makes me happier. So I felt like that was a, once I got to know his style, that definitely felt more like Bright Eyes.
1: Yeah, that, uh, that drinking the ink from my pen is a, really, is a really great line. You know, a song that we haven't really touched on a lot, and it's, it's funny, the two maybe fastest, I guess, songs, another traveling song, and then the last one, Road to Joy. Um, I mean, they're good songs, but they're not, for me, what this album's really and they're they're not the ones that I mm-hmm. come back to quite as much. I mean, they get stuck in my head sometimes because a lot of catchy stuff on this album. But in another traveling song, he says he talks about his thoughts in pairs.
0: The dream, it's almost like this dream state, too. Mm-hmm. Like the the whole fight, like I woke to an alarm clock sending me to bed. So like this personified and it, I like it because I don't want to call it an Ars Poetica, but it's like this writing another song, but this whole clean white page got me in the writer's block.
1: Yeah. And I'm going, we're going to go out of order here, but right before that, he, you know, he talks about back and forth forever. All my thoughts, they come in pairs. I will, I won't, I doubt, I don't. I'm not surprised, but I never feel quite prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's again, that kind of middle ground, the ambivalence or the ambiguity between, you know, like, there's no way to be certain, but not. I mean, he says it right. Not surprised, but never feel quite prepared. And then the last line of that song really stands out to me too. Talks about facing his fears, or I'll cower like a dog. I'll kick and scream or kneel and plead. I'll fight like hell to hide mm-hmm. that I've given up. You know, it's an interesting um, admission of pretense, right? Fighting uh, to hide that you've given up. So there's a, there's an interesting kind of admi- little moments in a lot of his songs, admissions that maybe you weren't expecting. So cool. Any other? I mean, are there any songs we didn't talk about, Chesser? Because we
0: I, I think we hit them all. Uh, I mean, we and passing. I guess passing, we I guess really, met road to joy with has an item album title like i'm a wide awake it's morning so hearkening back to that but like you said it kind of feels out of place this this whole upbeat. Yeah. even though you still got the whole ideas of loneliness but the the, mm-hmm. the sound even with the horns and some of the electric guitar don't quite fit the rest of the album yeah and there's
1: there are lines in this one um and maybe just because it's not my favorite song i i forget the quality of some of the songwriting in it the melody is a variation of Beethoven, right. Ode to joy, which mm-hmm. is kind of an interesting thing. And there's, you know, you have to think about again, is he being ironic or is there sincerity in that? I, in a, I, it's hard to pin that down. Right. It's again, kind of ambivalent. Yeah. He says no one ever plans to sleep out in the gutter. Sometimes that's just the most comfortable place. I mean, that's a hell of a line. It's, <laughs> it's kind of dark, right. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a hell of a line. And then the end of the song, which isn't as much about the lyrics, but, you know, he says, let's F it up, boys, make some noise. And then mm-hmm. you have that pro of all the kind of, uh, any of the horns and the guitars and drums and all that kind of stuff. is sort of going crazy.
0: Yeah, the drums are yeah. just banging at that point. I wrote in my notes just like...
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There, it, it kind of devolves out of any real structure and beat. It's just, yeah, this layered... uh crescendo, I guess. I don't even know if crescendo is the right word for that, but yeah, so I guess we hit on every
0: single track at some point yeah, there, huh? We touch every track, we could. There we so go. So Bright, Bright Eyes has a new album release, I think next week, or by the time of this podcast up this week. Um, so the, the what do you I think, what do you expect from the latest Bright Eyes album in comparison to I'm first. a Wide Awake It's Morning? Um,
1: well, for this new, the new release, it seems like it's going to be another step in kind of the evolution of their sound as a band Um, from the four tracks that they have on spotify so far it seems like a pretty clear step from their last last one which was nine years ago that's a long time wow and they've all done a lot of music and songwriting since then they've all been pretty confused Um, one thing that i think is interesting i read a couple of uh interviews with them and they talked about how in the past it was always Connor would have the songs basically written, you know, chord progression, melodies, lyrics, of course, from the beginning. And then they would layer sort of sounds on top of that in, in the recording. And this time they said that they kind of went into it fresh so that um, Mike Mogus and Nate Walcott could kind of add to the actual songwriting. It's, Beginning, so they cool. had some input in the structure of the songs and the sounds. Um, so it sounds like it's going to be a pretty full-sounding album. But even just from the title of the album, "Down in the Weeds Where the World Once Was," uh, a very typical kind of Bright Eyes. You know, in some ways, you could say it's kind of like wallowing in in that darkness. You know, they've been criticized and they've kind of owned it. Um, for being you know over like almost melodramatic in the kind of like darkness and emotional stuff that they that connor specifically writes his songs about um even to the point of being pretentious but they've kind of they kind of sarcastically like appreciate that now they've kind of embraced that pretension it's it's kind of part of their ethos and their thing and um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it there's there's a lot of um, the guest musicians on it. I, I mentioned to you earlier. Flea plays bass on one track, which is is nice. if you see his name on something, you know you're gonna expect that kind of funky, Chili Peppers bass line. But the song that I've heard him on so far, uh, it's a it's got cool bass, but it does not remind me of Chili Peppers. Um, anyway, yeah, it should be a pretty uh, a pretty natural progression from. Casadega and the People's Key with a lot of different sounds on it not just the the old school they're making a conscious effort to like include sort of sounds from early albums so they they play a few of the weird instruments from their first couple of albums in the background on some songs and they they made a conscious effort from what they said to uh, to kind of make it a representative
0: of mm-hmm. all their their work so far yeah, this album, listen, I'm wide awake this morning within the last week, a couple of times. Maybe we want to go back and listen to Four Winds, Casadega, 2007. I remember it, it, was, I remember it being more upbeat or maybe I just remember the, the single off the album, but maybe we go back to listen to that. And then 2013, we talked about side projects. Is it Mogus, Mike Mogus and Nathaniel Walcott did the score to Stuck in Love, which I used to spend all the time on my iPod and just listen to as a writing um, if you get a chance, that's that score is amazing. Um, once again, all one two-minute songs, but but I like the sparse electric guitar and I and I like what what they did with that. So it's interesting that you said they're going to do more songwriting on the the recent album because I like their efforts on that in two thousand thirteen. So I guess during their hiatus,
1: yeah. And um, I, like I mentioned, they've they've all been doing a lot of music, and I Connor Oberst put out several solo albums and with his a, a different kind of side project band the mystic mystic valley band um and his first solo record is one of my i'd put it right up there with i'm wide awake it's morning and lifted as bright eye stuff uh he did a collaboration with phoebe bridgers uh, uh i think it was recorded in two years ago and they they toured with it um uh better oblivion community center so if you haven't listened to that, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, Mike Mogus and I think Nate Walcott also had a hand in producing uh, her last couple of albums and they've done, I mean, Mike Mogus, of course, you know, uh, with Connor Oberst and, and our man Jim James and M Ward, right. Monsters of yeah. Folk. So they love that album
0: 2009. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And if you, if you ever get a chance, whether it's, Bright Eyes as a band or Conor Oberst uh, solo to see them live. Um, he he's one of my handful of artists that will go see him. No matter how many times I see him, he's he's so uh, captivating. His his voice live, um, not just that it's stronger and he's he's gotten more control over it over the years, but just the quality of it is so entrancing, um, especially live. And the last time. I think I've seen them perform just about every song from I'm wide awake. It's morning. And he played several of those with it in his solo show. I finally got to see poison Oak. They did that live and I was super that. So that was a good uh, concert memory.
0: Awesome. Yeah. They're on my list. I still haven't seen them. I saw monsters of folk, I think twice on that, after that 2009 release, I've seen Connor with them, but not, not by himself or with bright eyes. So I'd like to, like to
1: see that is that pretty 50 50 like vocals between connor and jim james
0: mm-hmm. and with, with little, m, m, m ward like yeah. m ward maybe does two or three songs i think if i remember right so it's like paul and john and then george gets a couple yeah and then do they
1: ever do they ever like mike Mogus? does he do any does he sing like a octopus's garden or anything no no <laughs> <laughs> all right man Well, any other, any other thoughts about this album?
0: No, I I think you've had some great, great, great insight. I enjoy revisiting the album for sure. Took me back to 2005 and I'm looking forward to hearing the new Bright eyes album this week.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to it. I, I, uh, you know, paste put out one of those like top 15 bright eyes songs, and I thought, that that list was such trash that I literally went back and listened to nearly every single uh, published Bright Eyes song over the course of three days and wrote my own list. So maybe I'll, maybe once this uh, podcast gets posted, I'll post little blurbs for my song, my top 15 Bright Eyes
0: song choices. Yeah, post your list. I'd like to see it. Um, Especially top five, top ten. Those Famili-
1: guys, those guys try right? too
0: hard, I think. Uh, yeah. From the list I've always seen, and I know McCarville says the same thing too. Like Pitchfork or Pace. Like I like some of their stuff, but then other times when they're creating lists, they they picked obscure songs just to be obscure and cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not just those
0: mainstream fans. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the flip side. Uh, Keith, you'll take us out.
1: Yeah, man. It was a lot of fun talking about the album and we'll see you next time.